I want to share with you uh, from our Bible reading, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I, I skipped it. Uh, I didn't include it in our reading. And uh, uh, just listen to these words from, from Paul. In chapter 4, he just got through talking about how you and I do not grieve like people who do not have hope because we know that Jesus died and rose again and that when he comes back, he will bring back to life our loved ones who have fallen and that will rise in the air together to be with them and the Lord forever. And then he says this in chapter 5. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's pain begins and there will be no escape. But you are in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on guard and not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed. Protect it by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. That's good news. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are teachers in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peaceably with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, hard to do, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who believe in Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. God's word, right? He works all things out together for the good. Ah, oh, yeah, right, sure, he can't do that. Uh, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. I love this. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss or a healthy handshake. I commend you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What a powerful chapter. And I want to encourage you this week, just to let you know we're we're mixing it up with our, our faith comes from hearing this week. It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, 11 years ago, I, I put together a, a, a journal uh, with my church. I was on staff out in Florida. Uh, and uh, a bunch of people wrote devotions. And, and this journal centers around the church river, was, was River Run. And it centers around these themes. God, there's no one like him. Glory, why we were created depravity, what went wrong, Jesus, God's plan from the beginning, sacrifice, the mission of Jesus, reconciliation, a new creation, and empowered, a call to action. 
And so we have copies of the first six devos in the back, and you can also download uh, the PDF file online. But I just want to encourage you to be involved in this. I think it's really going to be great. Um, and, and, you know, 11 years ago it was created, and I really believe God's going to use it today to speak into you. Uh, you know, if you're in a, going through a hard time and you need a great God right now, that's what the first uh, devo's about, and, and I think you'll enjoy that one. Hey, let's pray. God, there's no one like you. No one compares to you. And God, we are here for you. We're not here for ourselves. Uh, we're not here to have our ears tickled. Lord, we're here to bend our hearts and knees to your word and to your mission and to your cause for the church. And God, I, I pray for open ears, open hearts. God, I pray that you would enable me, God, to speak in a way, Lord, that motivates us. And God, I, I pray that because of, of what we talk about today, that there will be people lost who will be rescued and people whose lives need to be restored will find restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. And now this is week two of our two-week series, Vision, Why We Are Here. And remember, as we said last week, that, that vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. A question, have you ever formed a vision in your heart and mind, a, a picture of a much-desired future that generated in you some serious passion? I, I mean, when you look at that could-be future, right, I mean, you're like, man, that would be so awesome. Not only does that picture need to become true, it, it, it must become true. It must become reality. I, I remember having a picture of a desired future in the fall of 1996 that did just that in me. It, it was a picture of a desired future with my wife, Laurie, and we were not even dating yet. And, and that vision, that picture uh, that was in my heart and mind of what it would be like to be with her, you know, burned in me for the whole hour it took for me to dial her phone number, right? I'm 36 years old. I've, I've been on nuclear submarines, and I can't even dial her phone number for an hour, right? I get like seven numbers and hang up, right? Okay, hang up, hang up, hang up, hang up. But I press through because of that picture of what it would be like to, to be with her. Have you ever had a vision or a picture of a future that excited you, that, that motivated you, that inspired you, that prioritized you, that gave your life purpose and meaning. And you, you know, that there, was a, uh, there was a vision and a picture that was born 52 years ago that came true late Wednesday night at Dodger Stadium when the Houston Astros won Game 7 of the 2017 World Series. I mean, what a series and I'll tell you what, it was very obvious that those who had dreamed of and lived for that vision were just a little bit excited at the outcome. Here's a few pictures right there. Look at them, guys. Yeah. Here's some more. Look at this one right here. They're a little uncomfortable, but they're okay, you know. Here's another one. Yeah, look what guys do when they win. Man, they're so excited. They're so excited about the victory of a vision that was born 52 years ago. And listen, during those years, this team endured a whole lot of stuff, right? I don't know if you know this, but from 2011 to 2014, they averaged 104 losses every year. If you're a baseball fan, that's just not good, right? And, and, and numbers like that can be very discouraging. 
And not to mention all the physical sacrifices professional athletes have to endure, the training, the exercise, the exhaustion, the injuries, the pain, the setbacks, the slumps, the criticisms, the time away from their family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Understand, this team, if you were just to look merely at the numbers, did not look like a team that was destined to win the World Series. Yet check out the cover of Sports Illustrated on June the 30th, 2014. You know what it says? You, you can't see the whole picture, but it says your 2017 World Series champion, right? And that was like three years ago before it even happened. Question. Do you think that the guys who got to celebrate the great victory that day, do you think they thought it was worth it? Do you think they thought it was worth all the pain, all the injuries, all the criticism, all the time away from home? You better believe it. It was a great World Series. I'm really happy for the team. I'm happy for the city who suffered so much. I mean, the vision of winning a World Series for some of these guys were, were born on the playground, right, when they were little kids. And, and that's a pretty awesome and motivating picture. However, our vision, the vision of the church, totally blows that vision out of the water. I, I mean, the vision of winning a World Series pales in comparison to God's vision and dream for every church and Jesus follower, including you. Listen. Listen, God has a vision for his church and for every Jesus follower. A powerful picture of us, of you and I, joining him in the twofold mission of rescue and restoration. Understand, when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he was on a rescue mission. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Praise God. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. And if you're taking notes, just circle that. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they not believe in the name of God, it's one and only Son. And Paul talks about the very real and very desperate need for rescue in Thessalonians, his second letter to them. Our Lord Jesus will punish anyone who doesn't know God and won't obey his message. Their punishment will be eternal destruction, and they'll be kept far from the presence of our God and his glorious strength. Now, now, now let let those sober and true sink in. Understand, anyone who's not surrendered their lives to Jesus, anyone who does not know God, does not believe in God, anyone who will not obey God's message is headed for eternal destruction. And they will be kept far from the presence of God, where they will get what they always so desperately wanted, God out of their lives. You see, in the end, everybody will eventually get what they wanted. Now, for those who, who wanted God, they will get God in all his glorious fullness. And for those who do not want God, who do not want God in their lives, will be forever separated from his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his love, his light, his peace, forever. 
Our world is full of people who don't know God. Don't believe in God. Who don't obey his message. And who stand condemned already. Like that movie Sixth Sense, right? In a very real way. When we walk around the mall this week, our workplace, the hallways, the grocery store, you know, we see dead people, right? They're just everywhere. I mean, people are headed to eternal destruction. And maybe even some people in this very room. There's people headed to eternal destruction in your family, in my family. Where do you live? Where you work, where you go to school. There's thousands and thousands of people headed to eternal destruction in our community. There's millions of people headed to eternal destruction in our country. And there are billions of people headed to eternal destruction in our world. And I get it. It's not fun. It's not pleasant to think about these things, right? Yeah, but, but, but ignoring it, right? And, and not thinking about it does not make it go away. It, it does not make it any less true. In fact, it only serves to keep us unmotivated in doing anything about it. Jesus told us that the main thing in our lives is to go out and rescue and restore. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Rescue them. And teaching them by everything I have commanded you, restoring them. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And believe me when I tell you, when life, when following Jesus, when doing vocational ministry full time gets hard, it is this picture of rescuing people that keeps me going. Understand, this picture of rescuing lost people is why I will never, ever give up. Yes, connecting people to a life-rescuing relationship to Jesus Christ is worth it. Rescue is worth it. Turn to the person to your right and left and tell them, rescue is worth it. Now say it like you believe it. I mean, I mean, rescue is why people do crazy things and take risks like this. Look at these pictures, right? That's pretty risky, but that person's about to drown. Or they do things like this, kind of crazy, running into a burning building, but that person was about to die. It's pretty crazy. See, rescue is why these firefighters are actually going towards a collapsing building, not running from it, because there's people inside that need to be rescued. And rescue is why Private Desmond Doss from Lynchburg, Virginia, in World War II during the Battle of Okinawa, by the way, my dad was in that battle on a destroyer and got blown off his ship by a kamikaze, but it's why Desmond Doss kept running back into the middle of the fight on Hacksaw Ridge. I mean, check out the, I mean, he, he is running into enemy fire, right? And he's doing it all night long, all night long. He winds up saving 75 people. And each time he, he rushes in and pulls somebody out and lowers them down the cliff, he, tell, he prays to God, God, let me save just one more. And he runs back in. 
You think he would have ran into that, that enemy fire if there wasn't anybody to rescue? No. But because there was someone to rescue, he couldn't quit. See, that's why we're here. And we can forget that. We're here to rescue people from eternal destruction. Let me ask you, does that picture produce in you any passion? I, I, I mean, the, the charging hacksaw ridge running into a burning building, ra- racing towards a collapsing building kind of passion? Is the picture of seeing rescue become the reality in more and more people's lives, maybe even people you know, is it, is it worth it to you? And what about the other aspect of our vision, right? Seeing, seeing God's image restored in more and more people. Remember, I said Jesus has bigger plans for your life than to just save you from your sins. As awesome, needed, and as necessary as that is, he wants to restore his image in you. And restore means to bring back to the original and intended condition. Now, I understand since the fall in the garden, God's image in his creation has been pretty messed up. Tainted, corrupted. In fact, in Romans 8, Paul talks about how all of creation groans, waiting for the time when God will finally set things right. I understand sin, fear, doubt, addiction, captivity, abuse, hatred, depression, loneliness, heartache, sorrow, tears, death, disease, disorder, and dysfunction are not part of God's original intent. Get it? Good. And that's why he sent Jesus not just to rescue, but to restore. To restore his image in people like you and I. Romans 8.29, the same chapter about creation groaning. There's an answer. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to be conformed to the image of his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. 2 Corinthians 3.18, so all of us who've had the veil removed, and it's the veil of disbelief. Not believing who Jesus is. When that veil's removed, we can see and we can reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord whose spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You see, we are the first fruits of God's new creation. And as the Holy Spirit works God's image back into us, we join in this mission of expanding the kingdom and spreading God's image everywhere and giving this world a picture of how life can really be lived. Oh, I didn't know you could live like that, right? When you walk into a gym, you see people, you're like, I didn't know a body could look like that, right? You can actually look like that and do that, right? Well, we're supposed to go out in the world and go, I didn't know you could live like that. I didn't know you could have marriages like that. I I didn't know you could respond to difficulty like that. I didn't know you could love your enemies like that. That's how you can live. That's what we get to do, to show the world what God is doing until Jesus comes back and makes everything right once and for all time. He was seated on the throne, said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. But until that happens, it's our job to give the world a taste, to give our world a glimpse of how they can really live. Get it? Good. A life that is just flowing with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the way to 
bring back God's creation. Bayfield Grove, we're here to connect people to a life-changing, life-rescuing, life-restoring relationship with Jesus. Does this vision, does this picture produce within you a passion? Just what is this vision worth to you? In the book, Play the Man, a book a bunch of guys at Maple Grove are reading right now. Mark Batterson writes about a time when he was in Great Britain at Canterbury Cathedral, founded in A.D. 509. He was listening to Archbishop Welby share a story about Thomas Beckett, one of his predecessors, who was murdered in A.D. 1171. Batterson writes, Archbishop Beckett and King Henry II didn't get along so well. In fact, the king said something to the effect of, who will rid me of this troublesome priest? Four knights interpreted that question as a royal command and set out to confront the archbishop. Arriving on December 29th, 1171, they hid their weapons under the tree outside. You got any weapons in your car? <laughs> Canterbury Cathedral and their armor under their coats. When Becky refused to go with them peacefully, the knights retrieved their swords the archbishop clerks told him to bar the doors of the cathedral, but Becket did the opposite. Unbar the doors, he shouted. Unbar the doors. Batterson continues, this is rather gruesome, but the crown of Becket's head was cut off, his brain spilling out. Becket's blood dyed the floor of the cathedral crimson red. And it's on this very spot where Becket's blood was spilled that his assassination is rehearsed every year with the presiding archbishop playing the role of Becket. It's a solemn Ritual, a profound reminder that in the words of Archbishop Welby, what we believe is worth dying for. And brothers and sisters, this truth that what we believe is worth dying for is being lived out all across our world today. As Jesus followers who face greater obstacles than waking up to drive the church, right? You know, brave in the elements, right? Uh, but who are facing persecution in a very real way. The days today where many churches pray for the persecuted church. It's estimated that 300 believers, it's a lot more than in this room, die every day because they follow Jesus Christ. 200 million believers are, are suffering persecution. Uh, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 13 if you have your Bible or your cell phone, this is a legit use of your cell phone in church, right? Unless you're talking about the sermon, you should put that sucker down, but this is legit right here. Hebrews 13, verse 3. Paul, well, we don't know who it was. I sometimes think it's Paul, but the Hebrew writer says, remember those in prison as if it were you yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. And so what I want to do right now is just take a few moments and I want to encourage you. You're smart people, right? You can look for pray for the persecuted church. You can go to the voice of the martyrs and you can find ways that you can pray. But let's just pray for our brothers and sisters right now. There are people in prison right now because they love Jesus. There are people suffering right now because they love Jesus. You know what they would tell you? It's worth it. It's worth it. It's so worth it. Father God, we humbly and almost feeling a little ashamed, God, coming to your presence. And 
Father God, we whine and complain about so much in our lives, in our Christian walk, and in our church experience. And yet, God, right now, as we sit on our chairs, as we sit in an air-conditioned room, Lord, there are moms and dads and husbands and wives and sons and daughters and grandmas and granddads and brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and friends, Lord, that are just suffering at this very moment. God, I pray that they would feel your presence. God, I pray that you would give them boldness. God, I, I pray that you enable them, Lord, to stay strong and true to you. And God, I, I pray and look forward to the day, God, when, when you'll return and reward those who stood so faithfully for you, God. And God, may we remember those in prison as if we were in prison ourselves. And God, may we remember their pain as if the pain of those being beaten right now, that our own body was feeling that pain. God, may we be inspired by these brothers and sisters who live out every day in every way their belief that you are worth everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me ask you, is your version of Christianity worth dying for? Is your version of Christianity, and by that I mean what you believe about Jesus and what you believe Jesus has called you to, is your version of Christianity worth giving up everything and anything for? Is your version of Christianity, is it worth being the number one driving priority in your life? I mean, that which determines and undergirds every decision, every action that you take. And here's what I know. That, that, that if what we believe about Jesus and what he's called us to is anything less than rescue and restoration, then it's probably not worth it. It's probably not worth dying for. It, it's probably not, not worth inconveniencing ourselves for. It's probably not worth being uncomfortable for. It's probably not worth giving things up for. It's probably not worth being the number one driving priority of our life. You, you see, if this vision of rescue and restoration leaks out, this place becomes just a building. And going to church just becomes a nice thing to do. Where our personal needs are Matter better be met. And following Jesus is just a comfortable way to live whenever we find it personally convenient. Maple Grove, we've been invited to be part of a movement that began 2,000 years ago. A movement made up of everyday people who were passionate about the message of Jesus. A movement of self-denying, spirit-empowered disciples of Jesus who were not known for a casual association with Jesus Christ and his church, but instead were known for a complete and total abandonment to Christ and his cause. A, a movement that, that unleashed a, a new brand of, of love and joy and freedom that changed the world forever. And, and though they had to face untold trials and unthinkable persecution, they, they experienced unimaginable joy as they joined Jesus in the advancement of his kingdom. And it all began when a band of 12 guys said yes to a life-changing invitation from Jesus. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of man. 
And in the days to come, they, they, they watch Jesus, they listen to him, and they learn from Jesus how to live and how to serve others in a way that, that, that points to and brings glory to God. And, and then came that moment when they had to watch their friend, their teacher, their master, their Lord, die on the cross for their sins, only to rise three days later. And shortly after this, Jesus, whose mission on earth was now complete, Jesus, who finished the work the Father had given him to do, gathered his guys on the hillside by the Sea of Galilee, gave them their commission, their, their marching orders, their, their purpose for life. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. You will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And that Jesus returned home to the Father. And they stayed in Jerusalem meeting and praying and a group of about 120 waiting for the Spirit to fall upon them with power. And Jesus, true to his word, 10 days later, Jesus sent his Spirit. Immediately they began proclaiming the gospel, the good news of great joy that's for all people. And in the days and weeks and months and years to come, they scattered from Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth, forming a community of believers that turned the world upside down, literally bringing down the Roman Empire without raising a shield or lifting a sword. Uh, understand, this church, these people were radically devoted to God and his word. Whatever God told them to do, they did. Whenever God told them to stop doing something, they stopped doing it. Wherever God told them to go, they went. And when the government told them to stop talking about Jesus or die, many chose death. This church, these people, they loved each other in radical kinds of ways. They, they took off their masks and shared their lives with one another. They prayed for one another. They encouraged one another. They carried one another's burdens. They spurred one another on. They served one another. They forgave one another. They accepted one another. They confessed their sins to one another. They laughed and cried and prayed and sang and served together in authentic Christian community. Those who had more shared with those who had less until socioeconomic barriers melted away. And, and people related to one another in ways that bridged gender and racial chasms and celebrated cultural differences. Acts 2 tells us that this community of believers, this church, offered unbelievers a version of life. That's God's image in us, that restored life. It was so beautiful it took their breath away. So bold, so creative, so courageous, so dynamic, so not of this world, they could not resist. And Acts 2, 47 says, the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. As a movement was born 2,000 years ago, made up of everyday people, empowered by the Spirit, who are passionate about the message of Jesus. A movement that created ripples and waves that are still pounding against the shoreline of this world in November of 2017. That's who we are. That's why we're here. That's the legacy of which we are a part of. We have joined the Father and the Son and the Spirit and their divine mission of rescue and restoration. And therefore, we should have the same passion that Paul had, that it's worth dying for. Where he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me, only if my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, 
really. What, what could be more important or motivating than telling people the good news about freedom from guilt and shame? Telling them about real and lasting hope? Telling people about overcoming their fears? Telling people about the power to experience peace over anxiety? The power to break chains of addiction? Telling people that they can have a true sense of belonging? Telling people that they can be just who they are and they can still be loved and accepted? Telling people that they can experience life in all its fullness? Uh, Telling people that they can have a hope beyond this world? That they can have a reason for living that gets them out of the bed? Telling them that no matter you're going through hard times, there's a reason and a purpose. If you allow God to move for every difficulty that you go through, God will use for your good and for his glory. Inviting people to be a part of something that brings hope to the hopeless, food to the hungry, freedom to the captive, belonging to the lonely, acceptance to the outcast, something that changes the world and makes the lives of people better and better and better and better. That's what we're a part of. And and I stopped by the auto parts store here because... I got some stop leak right here because <laughs> that's what I'm wanting to do in these two weeks. I want to I pour some stop leak. Don't worry, it's still on. Because that would be a mess. You know, I'm wanting to pour some stop leak back into your life and mine, into our church. That's why we're here. If you get why you're here, then guess what? Yeah, I can come to church or not come to church. I can serve or not serve. I can read my Bible or not read my Bible. I can give money or not give money. I can walk in here with a stinking attitude or I can walk in here with the joy of Christ. It doesn't matter. But with the vision, everything matters. And everything has purpose. There are people that you know and that I know people that you will rub shoulders with this week, that you will lock eyes on this week, that God so loves, but they're headed for eternal destruction. An enemy would like nothing better than for us to forget that. To think that church is about something else. It's all it's about. It's about rescue. It's about restoration. It's about saving people. It's about restoring God's image in them. That's it. That's it and nothing more. And that's why we have to be, you know, I'm glad we have these banners, right? But it's like, you know, it's like that mole on your hand, right? You don't even notice it anymore, right? You know, there, there's a vision, a mission. Like Jesus, we seek the lost. You know, and, and, and part of seeking the lost, we can make that complicated. In the spring of 2016, we did this thing called Pray for One. Anybody remember that? This great prayer. Lord, show me one person to share your life with, Okay. That's leaked out of my life. It's leaked. <laughs> I, don't, I don't pray every day. I don't pray throughout the day. And see, when I pray it, things change. When I pray it, things happen. When I pray, things happen like happened on Tuesday when I took my dog on my day off to get her energy out, my, my German shepherd, and, and I get to the dog park at Chris Green Lake Park, and there's like, I say girl. I hate when I say girl when people I know are, are like, fairly old and that really bothers me you know she's probably in her 30s right but there was a girl there and she had a dog and 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 my goal was hey story meet a dog have some fun you know get some confidence and and 
And I wound up standing by this girl, Rachel, and having a conversation with her and, and finding out, like, hey, you, know, well, you live around here? And find out that, hey, you know, her mom had died 10 days earlier. She's in town trying to work up the affairs. And we sat on the ground and, and probably talked for an hour and a half, you know. And I just listened and I shared and listened and shared. And she goes, man, I'm really glad you're here and that you're letting me talk about my mom. And I said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor and, you know, I, you know, you know you know, and, and you know, God cares about you, what you're going through. We talk some more and more. And then before I left, I said, hey, can I, can I pray for you, Rachel? She goes, that'd be great. And I prayed and got ready to leave. She goes, would it be okay if I hugged you? You know, I said, absolutely. So you never know, right? And if you, if you pray every day, God, like, wait a second, that's just not my neighbor or that annoying coworker. That's someone who might not do, may not know Jesus, right? It changes our outlook. We won't run into our house. We'll hang out with the neighbor and talk to them and say, God, is, is, this, is this the one, right? You know, so, you know, I, I got <laughs> the crazy thing. I've been praying and I got, <laughs> hey, I, I, I got the wristband, right? <laughs> I got my silicone band. That don't mean a thing, right? <laughs> it looks nice, right? It doesn't mean a thing to wear the band if you're not praying the prayer, you know? And I'm just got to pour that back in and pour that back into your life. And pour back into your life your own responsibility to grow up, right, in your salvation. To read your Bible, to pray, to be in community, to be in a life group. To find where you can serve to make this body stronger so that we can be better equipped at rescue and restoration. You know, it's time to stop the leak. I'm going to keep this, even though I paid five bucks for it. I'm going to keep it as a reminder. Because I, I leak so bad. Don't you, man? Like, I, I, I may leak this week, right? I'll be here talking about it. I'm gonna, I, I, all intention and life's going to hit me. But you know what? Anytime you leak, just grab some, uh, some bars, stop leak, right? And say, you know what? I'm just going to pour some more back in. I'm going to pour that vision back in of rescue and restoration because people need you. You know, my purpose today is to make you feel bad in an effort to get you and me going, Right? You know, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, that's me. Well, then let's just get busy, right, about our mission of rescue and restoration. And think of the lives saved. And think of the marriages restored and the hope restored. And the lonely people who think nobody cares wind up having a family and people who care about them. And the kids grow up in homes that are dysfunctional, wind up growing in homes where they know they're loved and cared for because you took the time and made an effort to be Jesus' representative to them. Uh, would you stand and pray with me? Father God, we, we love you and we, we praise you and we thank you. And, and I ask you to forgive me for leaking. <laughs> forgive me for forgetting the main thing at times. Forgive me for ever thinking that how I live and what I do for you is not worth it. God, you're worth everything. Forgive me for my whining. Forgive me for my loss of focus at times. And God, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for new days and new starts and new beginnings. And God, I pray that we and your church will be about restoration and rescue. God, God, just think of all the people that will 
touch this week, that we can touch with the love of Jesus, that we can show them the image of God, that we can show them a new way to live. And God, thank you for your unlimited patience with us. In Jesus' name, amen.